today on CityCast Salt Lake, we're going to make a tradition of our Friday Roundup show, which means looking back on the week with fun and thoughtful Salt Lakers. Joining me to do so today are birth worker and activist Ashley Finley and Heal Utah's policy associate Alex Bayou. It's Friday, February 25th, 2022. I'm Ali Vallarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. Welcome to our Friday News Roundup. Ashley, it's great to have you. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Alex, it's good to see you. Thanks for joining us. Hey, y'all. Happy to be here. Before we get into what's happening in our community right now, I just want to acknowledge what is happening in Ukraine right now. Um, It's a full-scale invasion, and it feels unforgivable, and it's huge news, and it's heavy, and it's infuriating, and I just want to kind of put it out there because I can't imagine that it's not also on both of your minds. And I think in particular, like in this community in Salt Lake, a lot of our neighbors are people that have survived or fled or experienced war. And so I think it's really just important to acknowledge that there's a heavy and dark force and it's on everyone's mind and it hurts and it's painful. So putting it out there. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was up way too late watching videos of Russian helicopters bombing Ukrainian airports. It's certainly safe and in peace travels to all the Ukrainian folks trying to flee that area right now. It's very well said, Ellie. Yeah. With that, let's get into a little bit of what's happening and what went down in our community this week. Um, Ashley, I'm so glad that you're here. What's going on in this community that you can't let go of this week? Oh my gosh, yes. Okay, so (laughs) earlier this week, our lovely governor, Spencer Cox, announced in his words to not treat this as the end of COVID, but as the beginning of treating COVID as we do other seasonal respiratory viruses. And so um, he has decided that he will be closing statewide testing sites and also treatment sites, which is really important because, as we know, um, towards the beginning of the pandemic, right, there was this huge mobilization of making testing and treatment accessible outside of, like, medical offices and Mm -hmm. hospitals, right? Right. Now with this new move, they're deciding that they're going to close the mobile and pop-up testing and treatment sites. And I have to tell you, Allie, I am, my mind is boggled. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I'm at a loss for words, especially as a person who is, you know, like really involved, as you said, in public health and community work. I can't, I think that this is a terrible idea. Am I allowed to say that? that this yeah, is a you terrible- are. This is a terrible idea. And I'll go ahead and agree with you. I think it's a terrible idea, too. Thank you. Thank you for not letting me be alone in this. What are you hearing, Ashley, from people that you work with about the spoof? Are you hearing a lot of feedback from folks? Yeah. You know, I work mostly with communities who are undertreated anyways and who are being impacted the most by this pandemic. Um, underinsured communities. And so I'm hearing a lot of frustration. I'm hearing a lot of worry around um, access to care 
And I feel this way personally, right? Like I am a business owner, but I am, I'm uninsured, right? And so one of the ways that I've been able to assure the health of myself and of the, the health of my clients is by doing weekly testing and not having to worry about um, a copay, not having to worry about the fact that I do not have insurance, being able to um, not have to like walk into a doctor's office and set up an appointment and all of that. And I was really assured with the fact that if I got testing and I became positive, if like the results came back positive, that I would be able to get treatment in the same ways if if I needed it. And now I'm worried, right? Like that's been one of the things that I've been able to assure my clients. I work with pregnant parents and postpartum parents. I've been able to assure my clients, hey, I'm getting tested every week. I'm staying on top of this. I'm doing all of the things so that if something comes up, I'll be able to know and I won't come into your home and put you at risk and put your family at risk. And now it seems like just one more barrier. And we know who this pandemic is impacting most. It frustrates me. It angers me. And it honestly breaks my heart. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, especially in Utah state where it feels like our governor is constantly framing things as being compassionate and it feels really discompassionate to close all these sites when, you know, based on my understanding, they're funded. They're funded. Yes. Yeah. 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 I, I'm reading some of his quotes and, you know, it's interesting because he makes a point to say like, this is not the end of the pandemic. We are not saying that the pandemic is over. We're not saying that there won't be more variants, but we are saying that essentially we're going to casually treat this as if we do the flu, right? But the crazy thing about it is that the flu is, flu shots are available everywhere, right? Even at some of the COVID testing and, you know, COVID vaccination sites. So I'm wondering like what he sees the difference as But also we're in a pandemic on top of flu season and RSV season. And so you're right. It feels very uncompassionate. It feels very heartless because you're taking away access of care to people who need it most. Alex, you spend your days up at the Hill. What are you hearing and feeling about this decision? I do. I do. And and I agree with both of you. Um, It is strangely uncompassionate that was a good point of the hypocrisy coming out of the governor's office with that stuff. And it's strangely ideological. I mean, I'm up at the hill all the time. I'm usually up there. I'm actually, strangely enough, at home because I've been exposed to COVID today. Oh, so wow, look at that. Certainly on my brain, yeah. yeah. But it's strangely ideological. You can almost tell what side of the aisle someone is on, whether they're wearing a mask or not, which is such an interesting phenomenon. Yeah. I've been thinking so much about this stuff with being exposed to COVID because I'm going out, none of those public sites are open for testing. So I'm going to Walgreens. I'm spending 25 bucks on two tests. I've taken six tests so far, 75 bucks. I mean, I'm lucky enough I can afford that, but who is going to go out of their way to spend $75? I mean, like there's plenty of people that can't. And it's wild to see the Florida Bay and stuff like mask mandates and vaccine passports. Yeah. Well, and on that note, the vaccine passport bill passed the House. It's headed to the Senate. And my understanding of what it would do is basically say that your vaccine status is protected, it's private, and therefore a business can't ask for it. 
And that also feels, when you kind of line that up with the governor's decision to close testing sites, to your point, Ashley, it does feel like an ideological decision because if we're still in this pandemic, you know, which we are, then it feels like madness. Alex, what can't you let go of this week? We're really excited over at HEAL. I'm a policy associate with HEAL Utah. We, we focus on air quality, climate issues, renewable energy. So we've got, I'll just kind of highlight a couple wins that we had in the state legislature this week. Yeah, we love a win. We love a win. Let's talk wins. Um, first off, we have a bill, SB 136, Air Quality Amendments, which was crafted in-house at HEAL. So it is a program that is going to clean up the air surrounding the inland port. I will say, Alex, we do have a rule on CityCast Salt Lake, which is if you bring up the inland port, you have to explain what it is. Oh dear. So okay. can you give us the like 20 second quick and dirty on what the inland port is? So you imagine what a port is. Obviously, there's a bunch of like boats coming in, kind of doing a lot of commerce. And Salt Lake is obviously at the nexus of, of two major highway crossings you got. I-15 and you got I-80. The forces that be have kind of determined that this would be a really, really good place to have what's called an inland port. We're going to really be increasing a lot of rail traffic, a lot of, of truck traffic, and it, it makes sense from an economic standpoint of a lot of more right-wing voices that the inland port is going to bring business opportunities to the state of Utah. But us enviros are obviously worried that we live in a very specifically a geographically unique place where we do not want to be bringing more emissions into our little fishbowl that we have along the Wasatch Front. Um, that's the basic 20-second rundown there. And uh, Gila, Utah, yeah, we're, we're just trying to make sure that, that that happens in the cleanest way possible. There's a lot of advocates working on it. and Yeah, I mean, the West Side gets hit the hardest when we have bad air days and that yeah. is what it is. And so exactly. the port's out there, then we know where that ends. Yeah. And that is the kind of the crux of it, that it's it's really at the, the very bottom of that fishbowl. You know, the, the, the second we start getting a little bit of bad air, the West side's getting it and it's more and more concentrated than somewhere like the East Bench or Conwood Heights. So it is really a, an environmental justice issue, if you will. Well, that kind of brings me to what I can't let go of this week, which is also legislature adjacent. Okay, so we covered COVID, climate. I'm trying to think of a C word for my topic. Consumption. I want to talk about alcohol consumption. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Which somehow is still going to manage to be a little bit of a downer. So <laughs> buckle up. We just saw the guys that, that are opening a new bar at 9th and 2nd, the Pearl score liquor license this week. And that is a huge victory for them. Tommy and Mike and that crew. I could not be more excited. I can't wait to go to that bar. That said... They got one, 16 other establishments, not just in Salt Lake, but across the state of Utah did not because <laughs> there was only one liquor license for 17 competitors in February. And a similar thing happened in January when there was one liquor license for 15 competitors. So the DABC said to a lot of these folks, come back in May, try again. There'll be probably one more liquor license available in May. And I think this is to your point, Alex, about like the free market. There is such an economic argument to be made here, which is like, let people sell beer and tax it. Like, I don't understand. Right. And what's interesting about it to me is that a lot of people immediately were frustrated with the DABC. They were really like slinging their insults at the DABC. 
And to me, it's indicative of something that is like a real Utah problem and in particular a real Salt Lake problem, which is I personally day to day forget what a grip this legislature has on every single institution in our state. And we get caught up, I think, really, especially in the city and like flinging our anger at just like good bureaucrats that are like also stuck in a system that doesn't necessarily make great sense, but like is designed and implemented by the Utah legislature. And that's what the DABC said to a lot of these business owners, like, look, there's nothing we can do for you. This is the guideline that was handed down for us. It's frustrating, but I think it's a really important reminder as we head out of the legislative session, because there are times when like you should absolutely be mad at your city council, but there are times when there is quite a bit that is out of their control. And I think between these 45 day sessions, it's really important to remember that like the legislature runs this state and we should be taking up our concerns with them. And like your instinct should not be to be mad at the mayor. It should be to be mad at the legislature first and the mayor second, because chances are like they are powerless in a lot of these situations. That's what's on my mind, especially heading into the weekend. Yeah, I had no idea about how liquor licenses were issued or like the application process or whatever. I just figured you know, we're in Utah, it's got to be hard, right? (laughs) And so reading about that, I don't know, I guess like my mind, again, was boggled because I'm like, it's really this crazy, like it's a lottery system to be able to sell alcohol. Like this does not compute. My my wires are short circuiting, (laughs) like to sell alcohol. I know. Well, when I was vocal on this show about being opposed to the Olympics in 2030, one of the things that I got heat for was people were like, yeah, it updated our liquor laws, which is a really good point. Like Mm. if we hadn't had the Olympics in 2002, God knows what the process would be like. It would probably be like a full scale Hunger Games like gauntlet to get a liquor license in the state now. So what I would say to that is like if after the 2030 Olympics, I can take public transit to the grocery store and buy a bottle of wine, I'm in. No, those are just all really good points. Um, I just want to stress, do not hate the bureaucrats. I've been a bureaucrat before. It's a thankless job. You know, a lot of angst will come out against it, especially things like the DEQ, the DAQ. I bet there are some people that work at the DMC that probably do it because they like alcohol. And don't be yelling at them. Definitely call out the legislature and, 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 and yell at the legislators. Like, yeah. Oh. <laughs> I mean, CityCast Salt Lake will always be here to defend bureaucrats like that. <laughs> if I do nothing else on this it. show, it's like every day is bureaucrat appreciation day. Um, Ashley, let's end on a super light note, although I do feel like we managed to get there, which doesn't always happen on Fridays. What are you looking forward to this weekend? Oh, I'm so excited, you know, in the vein of talking about alcohol and cocktails and libations. My homegirl, Lexi Fisher, over at the Cocktail Collective, she teaches cocktail classes. This Saturday, she's doing a series for Black History Month on Black bartenders and Black distillers. And so, like, last week, it was really cool. We learned about John Dabney, who um, perfected what we know as the Kentucky Derby Mint Julep. Oh, Um, one of my favorite drinks. My favorite drink. He was an enslaved man who never got credit for his creation. And so that's kind of like the theme of these classes for Black History Month. I love it. Oh, I want to go. Okay, maybe I'll go. Awesome. Yeah, Alex and I are going to crash your Saturday night. We're Please best friends do. now. Uh, yeah. I'm yelling at you. Please do. <laughs> Alex, what are you looking forward to this weekend? 
Oh, man, it is uh, the RSL Ooh. opener, baby. Yeah, first game of the RSL That's right. season. Uh, really, really excited about it. Yeah, Sunday at 4 p.m. We got new ownership. Uh, Dwayne Wade actually what? owns RSL now, if you did not know that. It's like a conglomerate of folks. It's basically the same owners of, J- of the Jazz, so it's like three or four different folks. We got some new branding. We got some branded jerseys. We got some new players. Cordova from Venezuela is coming. Lots of rumors about some really good players potentially coming. The Rio Tinto Stadium is having a watch party there, so I might, I might head down there on Sunday. Dale, uh, yeah, let's go. I said Real Salt Lake to someone the other day, and they were like, Real. And I was like, I'm with it. I'm with it. Are you kidding? How dare I erase? Okay, well, I will try and keep mine short, but I got to tell you, I got to stay off my soapbox here because I am a sucker for the Academy Awards. I love the Oscars. Been watching them my whole life. I know they're problematic. They bring me joy. I love awards season. And so with this announcement that they are cutting eight awards from the Oscars, they're cutting all of the shorts awards. So they're still going to give them out, but they're not going to give them during the presentation. And so the Broadway theater every year, the Salt Lake Film Society put together like a package of all of the shorts that are nominated for Academy Awards and you can watch them at the Broadway. And so I am would be going anyways, but I'm going in extra defiance this weekend because I think shorts are like the most fun movies, especially given my attention span. It's amazing how compelling a like eight minute film can be. And especially when we're living in the era of like the three hour movie, Cough, Cough, Dune. It is really nice to just see like a a short story. So anyway, I'm headed down to the Broadway. I'm going to watch the shorts packages. And in my heart, they absolutely deserve to be broadcast with the other awards. That's what I've got on deck. And then I'm crashing, of course, Ashley's cocktail making night on Saturday. (laughs) You don't have to crash. You're welcome. (laughs) Thank you both for being here. It was so fun to spend time with you and to end the week with you. I hope you have a fantastic weekend and that everyone can keep their chin up. And I'll look forward to chatting with you both back here soon. Yes. Thank you so much, Ali. Appreciate y'all so much. Yeah. Thanks for having us. See you soon. That's all for us today on CityCast Salt Lake. This show is produced by Nick Steffens and Diane Majapinto. Our newsletter writer is Madeline McGill, and our host is me, Ali Vallarta. Music is by the six wonderful Salt Lakers that make up mitochondria. Take good care of yourself this weekend, whatever that looks like for you. We'll be back Monday morning with more news from around the city. Bye. They're so, like, funky and awkward to set up, but we'll just get rocking and rolling here, and, like, it'll be super fun and easy, and, like, it'll be mellifluous.